0: Welcome to the D2C Slingshot Podcast. I'm your host, Lockie Thompson, and I'm also the founder of Social Slingshot, a paid advertising agency. This podcast is your go-to resource for e-commerce entrepreneurs seeking insights from industry leaders and experts. If you are magically stumbled across this podcast, I'm truly grateful you've chosen to listen. If you have any questions whatsoever or specific topics you'd like us to cover, do not hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram at Slingshot. While this podcast is tailored to the broader e-commerce community, if you're ever in need of direct marketing assistance, remember that Social Slingshot is here to help. Our mission is to drive as much success for as many e-commerce brands as possible by being the most results-driven and client-focused agency in the market. Now, with all the admin stuff taken care of, let's dive straight into today's episode. And now, what sort of metrics should e-commerce brands be looking at instead to progress their brand? I think the
1: sort of a a better number to give an overall view of profitability and rather than revenue, revenue is misleading. I think gross profit is probably the first sort of point of call to look at. So gross profit is essentially just like what is left over after paying for the product costs. So you have your revenue and then you have to pay for the product costs and then you sort of get your, you get your gross profit after that. So that's a a more accurate way to assess success and growth. Um, And you can sort of, I think that's a better metric to compare your ad spend on. So rather than comparing your ad spend to revenue, comparing your ad spend to gross profit um, is gonna give you a lot more clarity when it comes to um, what ads and what marketing efforts are working.
0: Yeah, because I know like being a Facebook advertiser myself, we look at ROAS quite a bit and it's starting to be a bit of a taboo metric to look at, things like MER and then attribution, like cross attribution, whether it's um Facebook and TikTok overlapping or Facebook and Google or all overlapping and actually reporting figures in their dashboard that are higher than the Shopify revenue, which is a real pain in our ass. So taking into account that gross profit and talking about metrics like MER Um, can really help the business drive forward
1: Mm -hmm. yeah definitely i think the just the nature of the product as well is going to skew um what mer means and what the roas should look like so for example if you had like a product which is a really low low margin so like the first thing that comes to mind is like a grocery store maybe not the best example it's not necessarily e-com but grocery stores don't have massive markups Um, I think Costco only marks up like 18% or something, whatever it is, they add 18% or 15% around that. So they're super tight margins that they have to be playing with. And so if you're reporting, uh, a three X return on ad spend, you're spending a hundred dollars to make $300 revenue, but $300 revenue for them is not, is, is like $260 of costs of the gross products they have to worry about. And so you're losing money by acquiring new customers. Um, Where if you compare that to a sort of an e-com client that I'm working with currently, their margins are about 50%. So the same situation, three times ROAS, $300 revenue, $150 in costs. So it means they have $150 in gross profit minus the $100 ad spend. You get $50 profit after those marketing efforts. So the gross margins and gross profits greatly make a difference to your return on ad spend and what you can spend there.
0: Yeah. And it sort of depends on what stage of the business you are in as well, whether you're in a massive like scaling phase and you want to get ahead of the competition, or maybe the economic situation at the moment is sort of um, making you think about maybe keeping some more profits in the business. And you're probably not going to go as hard on cust- uh, new customer acquisition. You might focus on retention marketing instead, like emails, um, marketing to that existing customer base. So um, when you're looking, at say new customer acquisition cost um, do you take into account obviously um, AOV and lifetime value and how do you sort of track those metrics from your end
1: yeah that's, that's a great question i think the the sort of key thing to think about with lifetime value is we want to be calculating calculating that on a gross profit lifetime value so not how much revenue do we derive from one customer it's how much gross profit do we derive from that customer And that's going to be a a big difference, Um, but that allows us to then think about um, how long it takes to pay back the ad spend. So to explain that a little bit deeper, let's think about a a CPG brand. So maybe it's a supplement company or something like that, something that is consumed and maybe reordered quite regularly. Let's just say that we want to aim for the first time that we acquire a new customer. We we want to break even on that, meaning that we're not going to make any profit. We're gonna, but we're going to acquire this new customer and hope that the second and third and fourth time that they purchase from us, that's all profit. And so, being able to just understand what the lifetime value is and sort of what is the retention habits of each new customer and each new cohort um, is going to give us a, a broader strategy of how we can actually. Uh, afford to acquire new customers. Or if we if we don't break even on a new customer for 12 months, maybe we need to think about getting some some loan facilities or some some good credit cards in place that can just give us a little bit more time until we do make profits from each customer.
0: Yeah, now from my end that sounds like a pretty risky game to be playing, spending money before you have it. Uh how do you sort of uh forecast for e-commerce businesses with seasonality depending on the product obviously? Uh but yeah, I find it really difficult. Like obviously forecasting is a pretty scary thing. You like to typically overestimate what you can achieve and then sort of the results um which is good to be optimistic. Uh but I do find a lot of brands um are maybe a bit too optimistic. How do you sort of combat those issues when you're talking to e-commerce brands?
1: The, the first thing I'll do is, is actually just get all of their data from from Shopify. Um, if they're doing wholesale, like through fair or, or some different platforms, Amazon. And we actually just want to look at like, what are the habits of their current customers, their current cohorts? So um, an, an activity I do with lots of my clients is we look at for all of the customers that were acquired in October, 2021 what have they done since then versus what about the, the, the customers they acquired in October, 2022, what are the sort of the habits and what has changed in those 12 months are, um, other people is their first order worth more. So is, is, can we see that the average order value has gone up in those 12 months or are, are our current customers not repurchasing as much as what they were in the past? What's changed? Is it a new product? Is it a worse product, you know? I think looking at the, the trends of, of the different cohorts, we call it. So it's like a time-based, um, customer acquisition group, um, like
0: 30, 60, 90 day cohorts. or
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's similar to sort of that, that Facebook terminology, but like what you can, and you can split up cohorts in, in thousands of different ways, but how has the habits of your customers changed over time? Are people buying more now? Are they spending more money with you? Um, that's sort of the best way to, to sort of be able to sort of predict what's happening. Um, and then to, to then build on top of that, to actually forecast out, we like to derive it straight back down to what are the things that you can control and, and the, the levers that you can pull to, to grow the business. So is that ad spend is that ROAS? is it creating new creatives it's the things that you can control is going to make make the the difference and make it easier to forecast
0: yeah and obviously there's a lot of things going on in the world right now like inflation's a very big topic there were some bank runs over in the us as well and stuff like that and like from what i'm seeing like it isn't a very positive world at the moment um and Obviously, businesses are still trying to grow and we're talking about lifetime value and stuff here. But have you seen any industry trends comparing like when people were buying, say, in the middle of lockdowns compared to, say, now?
1: Yeah, there was a lot more money being thrown around during lockdowns and and over the last couple of years. And it started to slow down, Um, obviously, with inflation going up, interest rates going up, people have less consumable dollars, less, less money at the end of the day to spend on things that they like, not things that they need. So um, some brands are finding it tough to, to battle battle with the rising cost of living. Um, But I think just being able to stay on the front foot and being profitable first um, comes back to having a sustainable business.
0: Yeah, I was um I was speaking to a brand yesterday and then over that like sort of COVID time, they had like one point five million dollars in abandoned carts. And I was speaking to her yesterday and her conversion rate was only a zero point three percent. So even if she like had a forty percent reduction in sessions now and maybe not as many people going to the website or whatever, if she invested in getting a new website and improving her conversion rate, like her business and her advertising efforts could actually be reduced, but that efficiency could be improved and it would definitely improve her profitability if she was able to convert at a much higher rate even if it jumped up to a 1.5 like that's still a massive increase on what she's currently returning and i Like from my experience and looking in the back end of Shopify and ad accounts and that sort of thing, there is a lot of things brands could be optimizing to improve their performance. And it's not always having to spend more um on advertising, like you could be spending improving your website or improving like your graphic designs or your ad quality and stuff like that to help improve the efficiency of what you are currently spending.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think it there's all these like great things that And all these great opportunities that brands have to be able to optimize but fundamentally you just got to make sure that the product is profitable first and make sure the brand is profitable because if you're scaling something that isn't profitable you're just going to be going bankrupt quicker
0: Yeah, it's like a lot of shipping brands that started during that time and all that cash was being flogged around everywhere and the crypto markets were skyrocketing as well and everyone was sort of making money without really knowing why the reasons why people were actually buying during that period. So now it's coming back and I'm starting to get a lot of businesses coming to me and saying, hey, we're down on last year. Um, Maybe some are breaking even and they think it's the end of the world. But when you take everything into account and maybe a bird's level overview of the whole business maybe it isn't so bad given the situation that we are in and if you do have a quality product like my clients are still growing no matter um if like obviously there's more money being thrown around then but they're still growing uh because they really know their numbers and what they can to spend to acquire a customer
1: yeah i think i think there's there's all this low-hanging fruit so um i don't know I, i was speaking to to someone this week and they have over the last couple of years acquired like acquired ten thousand different customers but have not done any email marketing campaigns so yeah. all of their revenue is basically coming from new customers and a- acquiring customers via facebook and instagram um but there's just about no retention no repeat purchases and so we're just i'm just pointing a finger here going this is such low-hanging fruit you, you spend a little bit of attention here doing some email marketing um and it's, it's going to be profitable because the product's profitable and there's no sort of marketing ad spend, um, related to that revenue. So um, I think brands just need to sort of step back and maybe think about what opportunities there are that, that they have, what opportunities they have available to them.
0: Yeah. Now, since you're an accountant and like to look at all these spreadsheets and profit margins and stuff like that, I saw you put out a Twitter post yesterday about a brand, like um they would have saved like they saved money for hiring you for a consulting call for an hour because you found some unused softwares that were costing them like 300 dollars a month or something which is a couple of grand over 12 months and that pretty much paid for your service straight away so what are some of the biggest areas you see in e-commerce's back ends to say hey they're overspending in certain areas
1: yeah i i think like a lot of stores um i think they don't realize that they just forget that, that that they've purchased software or, um, they've got subscriptions that are just automatically billing. And so, yeah, we, we found, we found over $300 worth of software. They just aren't anymore using, um, a lot of it was, were Shopify apps that were installed for their old website. And when they have had a different landing page or a different, um, theme for for Shopify and it, it literally just was inactive. And so they're just throwing money away. Um, and so, yeah, over 12 months we saved three and a half grand or something like that. So, um, I think just being able to every now and then once a quarter, just look at your bank statements and, and actually just critically think, do I need this? It's especially now, um, where costs are rising and all that it's, it's, it's always good to spend 10, 15 minutes, just looking at your expenses to optimize them.
0: Yeah, and then even uh, for me, like I sit down with my accountant each quarter and look at the expenses and I'm like, oh, what the hell? I've got this thing that's costing me so much. And then like I will go to AppSumo, um, which is a really good website to find cheap discounted softwares or alternative softwares that might be able to do it better Um, and getting those discounts and maybe paying for a yearly subscription or whatever. But then you can also get trapped into those yearly subscriptions. It's like with my Amazon Prime one, like I only get billed once a year. And it got me like two weeks ago, and I was like, "Oh, there goes another hundred dollars, but I'm like, "Well, I'm not gonna go out of my way to go get a refund on that hundred dollars, like I'll probably use it over the next twelve months, but every time it comes out, I'm just like, I should have canceled that,
1: yeah, exactly, so just being like being on top of stuff like that definitely goes a long way. I think maybe one other um area of attention that e commerce stores uh and brands can work on is is sort of just Bench, somewhat benchmarking themselves to their peers. So um, knowing that if you're a betting brand, you're selling um, sheets and all this sort of things, literally just talk to some other brands about the numbers. Like, I think most people in the community are pretty open to helping each other. And so just ask like, oh, you know, how much are your costs? And and sort of just understand some things. If If you're working with a good accountant, they should be able to point you in the right direction, maybe give you some ballpark figures to work from. Um, one other hack that I like doing is looking at econ brands that are for sale. Um, so there's all these public listings of brands that are uh, for sale. They usually attach like their profit and loss statements. So you can look at how much other brands are spending on marketing or on their product costs and, and shipping and all these sorts of things. So, um, being able to read and understand profit and losses of other businesses, um, can teach you a lot about your own business.
0: Yeah, and I think the e-commerce world is way different to the traditional business world because you're not competing with someone a couple of doors down. Like anyone I talk to on, say, Twitter, or whether it's Facebook Messenger or even over email, most people are pretty happy to share what they're currently doing because there's so much money in the world, right, and everyone's, like, there's enough to go around. Most people are happy to share insights into what's currently working with them. So, for example, Facebook ads at the moment, I'm finding images are working really well, and those, providing those sort of insights and maybe some case studies and stuff like that to say, Hey, this is working. Um, Yeah. You just need to ask some questions and talk to some people and maybe get an industry group chat together and talk about what's currently working and stuff like that. Yes, they are competition, but at the end of the day, if you get some insights out of it and you can improve your business and maybe you can improve theirs as well. But at the end of the day, I think it's worthwhile networking.
1: Yeah. And even if, Even if you don't go into a networking session like that, wanting to pull information and be, and, you know, understand their business and learn all these secrets, just making friendships like that can go a long way. Potentially, um, they might sell you their business in the future or vice versa. Like there's there's a thousand different opportunities. Um, And as you said, there's a lot of money in the world, so um, there's no need to, to be so scarce with it
0: yeah exactly and we just found each other through twitter as well so um yeah just giving away free advice on twitter like there's so much free advice out there like even youtube videos and then you maybe watch a youtube influence versus six months and you end up buying their course or whatever Um, hopefully you don't get a scam but i've had some pretty good luck <laughs> but yeah i think it's a good way to learn and show you sort of like a lot of businesses started a new business over that COVID period and they probably don't have um much business experience so learning from other people is definitely how you progress a brand forward it's better to learn from somebody else's mistakes than your own
1: yeah i think that's that's something i'm sort of learning at the moment as well it's like the the best way for you to learn is actually just by doing like figure out what are your problems and then just go and figure out a way to do it talk to people who have had the problems in the past how they overcame it i think just actually being in the weeds um, you learn a lot more than than just reading a book
0: yeah for sure um now earlier we spoke about um some business owners possibly worrying about tax minimization too much and if you actually make more money and like paying more tax is a good thing. Uh, but what are some of the common mistakes you see around tax time with e-commerce businesses? G'day C Slingshot listeners. Before we get back to our awesome discussion, I want to take a moment to share something special with you. Are you an e-commerce brand looking for clarity and guidance on your digital advertising strategy? Well, you're in luck. At Social Slingshot, we offer free 15-minute account audits to help you navigate this minefield. These quick but comprehensive audits are designed to provide you with valuable insights, personalized recommendations, and they clear a clearer path to success. Whether you are struggling with ad performance, looking to optimize your campaigns, or just seeking some expert advice, our team is here to help. We'll review your current strategies, identify opportunities, and offer tips tailored to your brand. Don't let uncertainty hold your e-commerce business back. Take advantage of our free 15-minute account audits today, It's the first step towards maximizing your ad spend and crushing your competitors to schedule your free audit. Simply visit our website at www.socialslingshotau.com or send us a direct message on Instagram at Locky social slingshot. Let's slingshot your sales together. Now back to our episode.
1: I think sort of, I guess like there's maybe two points that come up there. The first one just comes up to the, the structure that you start with. So um in in Australia we have a few different ones Uh, they're they're quite similar in the U.S. or or wherever you are internationally but sort of the main one that you do want to set up from the start if you're serious about growing um if you 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 want to be probably through a company um so that's a Pty Ltd if you're in Australia um there's like LLCs and S Corps or whatever in the U.S. I'm not too familiar with them but you want to be thinking about these things now before like right as early as you can if you if it's before you start great um if it's when you're pretty maybe you've just tested the product and you're ready to scale that's a great time to consider what tax structure structure you're in because in the long run you'll save a lot of money on taxes once you're making all these profits and and all that sorts of thing um sometimes it can be too late sometimes it's not worth sort of restructuring you just got to cop the tax bills um but there's, there's always a way to minimize um, via restructuring. And maybe the second sort of common mistake that lots of brands um, come up with is just not putting money aside for their taxes. And <laughs> yeah, the, the money that you make, the profits that you make, you do have to pay taxes on them. And more t- just about 80% of clients that I talk to have debts with their, respective, um, tax authorities. And it's just due to, uh, naivety of being a new business owner, not sort of understanding how the tax world works and, and when lodgements and filings due and that you get charged interest on debts that are overdue and and that those sorts of things. Um, so as, as much, I I sort of recommend to all my guys to put 30% of your Profits aside for taxes. Um, that's going to s- cover definitely all of your income tax um, requirements. Um, but it, realistically, we probably should be doing more like 35%, 40% because that you also have things like in Australia, we have GST. Um, lots of business owners like to put aside their superannuation savings um, in there because that's another thing you have to pay quarterly. So um, there's lots of these obligations that new business owners don't know um and they should they need to know because at the end of the day they're liable for these things they are real debts and you can get into big trouble if you uh, neglect, neglect them
0: yeah i i was i got shafted a bit when i was first starting out in my first couple of years i was just a sole trader and didn't restructure soon enough and i got hit with a um, pretty healthy tax bill which i wasn't too impressed about but since then like i can't understand people who don't put I'm not, I'm like money away for tax, like how scary would it be just sitting there for nine months and then all of a sudden it comes around to tax time and you're like, where the hell am I going to come up with this money? Like I'm possibly owe hundreds of thousands of dollars and I've got to pay all my staff. I've got to pay maybe some advertising spent to even bring in that extra money. And, um, yeah, that's not a position that I'd like to be in, that's for sure. Like I, I oversave, like I'm probably too far the other way where I oversave and I don't have, possibly my cash flow is bad because of that because i don't have that those funds to actually invest in progressing the business because yeah maybe i'm a bit too cautious <laughs> around tax time so there's I a fine think, balance there
1: yeah it's it's you're good to be over cautious because at the end of the day it's still your cash and you, you can pull from it if you really have to if you um if it's a dire situation emergency sort of thing like you still have the cash there um it's still yours to use So. Um, always good to be over cautious. At one of the last firms I worked at, we had a lawyer decided not to lodge their tax returns for twenty years, and so he he went he got in trouble from the ATO, um, and he just brought in all of these shoe boxes or um, file boxes with twenty years worth of income receipts, all these things. And he's like, "Here, figure it out." And a that's an expensive exercise for your accountants to do because. Um, <laughs> you're not going to be our favorite client if you give us 20 years of tax returns to do um and b you're going to be paying a lot of tax all at once um and there will probably be a lot of interest that you'll have to pay on those debts as well
0: so did he go to jail or anything like that
1: Uh, i I don't think so i i left that firm before it was all sort of finalized i don't think he was necessarily in in criminal trouble um but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure. oh, giving
0: out some good hacks here. Yeah, I don't pay your taxes for 20 years. eh? <laughs> uh,
1: uh, oh, oh, there, there, there was a funny story about, um, a man in WA, I think who sort of, he went to a, a conference and the conference basically told him, um, taxes are optional. Um, and he just decided he wasn't going to pay his taxes. Um, just didn't Yeah, it's, it's a fake authority or whatever. Um, and he ended up getting fined like fourteen, fifteen thousand $15,000 on top of all of the debts and the interest that he had to pay. Um, so don't, it, it is serious. It is real. So don't, don't think. That <laughs> you're, you're not
0: tax. Yeah. No. Nah, um, yeah. I'd rather not have the government knocking on my doorstep to be honest. So once you paying you're, them like a good little boy.
1: Yeah. Once, once you're red flagged, they're going to be looking at you for your whole life. So just be a good boy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, for sure. So um, just a bit of a personal question, I guess, for sort of my agency, like what are some of the tax benefits you can get um, via actually running paid ads like that can all be deducted and that sort of thing? And should brands like sort of spend more money at the end of the tax season? Or um, how do you sort of look at that?
1: Yeah, I think in terms of timing and everything, like obviously all Facebook ads that you run for your brands and for yourself will be tax deductible. Um, I sort of always look at it from perspective of if you're going to spend the money anyway, in the near future, you might as well do it before 30 June is our, is our tax year here in Australia. You might as well do it then because you're going to get the deduction benefit sooner, um, maybe a common example as well as paying superannuation early. So, um, superannuation for a quarter is due the month after. So, um, a common, a common thing that people do is for the. April to June superannuation that you pay for your employees, um, that's due by July 28. But if you pay it after if you pay it in July and not in June, you don't get a tax deduction in the June year. And so you have to wait 18 to 20 months before you get that tax deduction. So if you just pay if you pay it one month earlier, you're getting a benefit 18 months sooner. So um, if you have the money accessible to pay, to pay for that, then it, that's a really cool, um, advantage that you can take a really cool thing. You can take advantage of common things, you know, like people ask about the end of financial year, car sales Should I can I buy a car now? Like, you know, Tesla, we don't have to pay. There's this FBT on electric vehicle benefits. And there's all these things that if you're planning on spending the money within the next couple of months, it might be worth considering doing it before the tax year ends.
0: Yeah, and this is probably why we see um, increased spending on Facebook, especially like CPMs. It's not as bad as Black Friday because, like, spends go through the absolute roof during that period. But the end of financial year, um, a lot of brands do dump their marketing budgets into it and brands with some pretty large ones. And obviously they've got some of the high, most highly paid accountants working behind them and they're advising to do that. So, um, yeah, it sort of makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, and I think lots of lots of the big, big corporates, they're given a budget for the 12 months. And if it's going to end in in June, they're just going to throw whatever they have left, um, because they have to spend the money according to the budget that those ad managers or those account managers have been given. And so that's why you might see those CPMs go up.
0: Yeah, I've, um, I've had a few conversations and, yeah, there's been some pretty large budgets dropped no matter the performance. I'm like, wow, what the hell? I wish I could get a hold of that account. Just drop like 100K, 250K and not worry about performance because they have to spend it and they're getting that tax benefit at the end of the day anyway. So it's worthwhile. You get the few million impressions and hopefully some conversions, but there are some big businesses out there that just spend because they have to, which is... um a pretty insane situation to be in know? Eh?
1: yeah i think like that that's just comes with the scale of businesses and sometimes if you're so profitable you don't know like ads might not always be profitable once you get to a, a certain size and i'm sure you do see that as brands scale it's it's harder to acquire new customers you have to spend more to acquire new customers um and that happens at an even bigger scale when you talk about these massive large public companies
0: yeah for sure and obviously we're speaking a bit about um planning and everything like that how do you help brands forecast like forecast things like it's not something that i do a whole lot of and i sort of try to avoid it because it seems like a bit of a hassle and that sort of thing so how do you work around that
1: there's a a couple of interesting things that we need to think about when we're forecasting um and it probably does and this is where like having a finance and accounting team that talks to marketing and understands marketing, understands operations and uh, inventory and fulfillment and all these things. Like e com is very intertwined. Like accounting does need to understand marketing. And so being able to understand, um, seasonality, um, so like, for example, black Friday, cyber Monday, like being able to know that we need a lot of product, then we are going to be increasing our ad spend then. Um, being able to budget for these things months and months in advance, um, is massive. Um, but even like being able to forecast inventory, so making sure we have enough inventory for what we're planning on doing, um, goes a long way. Like you don't want to be in the middle of a massive big campaign and you run out of inventory, um, because you're going to be throwing ad spend down the drain and not have any revenue coming in for that. Yeah,
0: I've run into that situation a fair few times because, yeah, i work with small to medium-sized businesses, and those smaller ones, um, especially, like, with the shipping containers going absolutely through the roof cost-wise, there was a few times um, last year especially um, where we just ran out of stock. And I'm like, oh, geez, this is going so well, and then all of a sudden we have to turn off the ads because, we just sold out and we had nothing to sell and they were like a bit cautious on their Um, a bit cautious and yeah, maybe a bit scared economic environment and that sort of thing. Maybe didn't do enough preparation and looking into forecasting and stuff like that and what they could possibly see. And yeah, it's not a, like, it's a good situation to be in because you sort of hit your goals of like selling all the inventory, but yeah, what, what could have been, hey? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And, and, coming back to that seasonality, I think just having sort of like a a marketing calendar does go a long way. Um, There's lots of guys on Twitter that talk about this. And it's, it's sort of knowing what campaigns you you want to have throughout the year so that you can plan and budget for them. So um, you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday is always going to be a massive one on the calendar for every brand. But what like, let's think about industry specific um, holidays or whatever that you can celebrate. So maybe if you're a dog harness and leash brand, you know, when's international dog day, when's international vet day. Um, think about these, these other little holidays that you can build things around, or, um, when are you going to be launching new products in the 12 months and let's do a big ab- advertising campaign around that launch and, and being able to just sort of plan 12, 18 months in advance, um, can help your finance function forecast for those things.
0: Yeah. And then what's sort of your opinion on discounting regularly? Um, Do you think they bring in lower quality customers or do they bring more brand exposure and the benefits outweigh the discount or what's your opinion on discounting?
1: Yeah. I'm I'm not too rehearsed in the discounting world. Like I haven't, um, I haven't really had too many conversations with my clients about discounting. Um, But I I think generally from a, from a theoretical point of view is it, it will bring lower quality um clients and customers but it depends on your brand as well if your brand is Mm -hmm. more about volume game you probably do need to be discounting to incentivize those sorts of things um but it it, it all comes down to your brand strategy at the end of the day
0: yeah i know when i'm shopping around like i'm a pretty big discount guy and like on facebook if you optimize for traffic like all you'll get is traffic and very little conversions to none and then if you optimize for conversion purchases like facebook knows whether you regularly purchase i would definitely be in the traffic campaigns and like this guy likes a good discount um but once i do get a hold of a brand like i usually do stick with them for quite some time so uh, for example the Audi, Um, i never brought an UDI at full price but I'd see a 20% discount, 40% discount, Mother's Day or Valentine's Day, or maybe uh, obviously Black Friday, Christmas, those sorts of things, gifting. Like I'll come back and because it was good for me, I'll buy for somebody else. And um, yeah, just give a good product at the end of the day is what wins, hey? mm.
1: For Personally, like I think um, discounting around holidays and around those celebrations and campaigns is the best time to ca- to discount. Um, But just discounting for the sake of just hoping that a Facebook ad is going to convert better is probably not a long term strategy that I'd want to stick with.
0: Yeah, for sure. And during those times, if you don't offer a discount, like you won't get any sales. Like, we had a couple of brands that say, Hey, I want to opt out of Black Friday this year, the sustainability aspect of it. And they're like, Oh, we'll just keep running as we were. And those (laughs) results during that period, uh, they definitely dropped off for sure compared to brands that did run that. Like, they were generating 50, 100, 200% more revenue during that time. Uh, just because they ran an offer and so much more brand exposure and stuff like that. So from my perspective, I think it's a pretty good thing. You might not necessarily break even. Maybe it's a bit of a loss. Maybe do break even. Maybe you make some profit. But I think in the long run, getting eyes on your brand is super important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree totally. Cool. Um, I sort of ran out of questions. I think I even asked that financial report one a couple of times i think i repeated that but you sort of gave a different answer Yeah, that's cool. um but yeah i didn't like is there any questions that you've like popped into your head that you wanted to ask me or maybe you wanted me to ask you or uh, i think i sort of um got through most of what i wanted to cover today and we can always jump on another one and ask some different questions or maybe even just a different um just a different style of question to get the same answer or whatever
1: yeah let me let me look what you sent through because what you sent through is really good it was sort of everything i would have thought of as well um, oh that's good yeah just
0: a quick play around on chat gpt for 10 minutes
1: <laughs> love that uh,
0: yeah um... I, I i um i got the chat gpt and i sent like those over to you i was like i can't be reading this while i'm on the thing so i, I even had some even shorter questions on the no <laughs> Um
1: <laughs> No, I don't know. I can't really think of anything else. So,
0: yeah, I think we covered quite a bit, and I think yeah, you know, it should be pretty beneficial and grab some few clips out of that for sure. Yeah, yeah. How do you good. find it?
1: Yeah, good. I think um, it was pretty conversational, pretty pretty relaxed. So, yeah, um, you're a good host.
0: <laughs> Thanks. I think it I, I think it comes back to being on sales calls a fair bit. Um yeah. I was no good back in the day like my first year like 4 years ago doing business I was reaching out to physios and chiropractors and stuff like that just some local businesses and um I think I had about 50 to 60 sales calls that year um or that summer or whatever it was and yeah i didn't close one of them <laughs> so so um very bad success rate but i think i've got a bit better now my success rate has climbed a bit um but so speaking to the camera even doing reels and stuff um speaking to the camera gets um. It's a bit difficult when you're first starting and you're sitting in a room by yourself, speaking to a camera. Like even just making eye contact with the camera, and then listening to your voice on record, yeah. uh, that it just sounds shit.
1: So funny. Yeah, I've I've done a few YouTube videos like around accounting and tax, and uh, definitely big learning learning hurdle.
0: Yeah, it's a, a wait till you get like a few years down the track, and then you get you accidentally find someone in, one of them in Google drive somewhere and you open it up and yeah, they just cringe. Yeah. yeah
1: terrible. Even if it was
0: a good video at the time, you still look back on it and go, what the hell was I doing? <laughs> um, um, yeah. We'll have to do this again sometime. And, um, uh, as for, obviously I will send you, uh, the full recording. Uh, so I don't think there was too much we needed to chop out if you wanted to use it as a YouTube video or whatever. Um, Obviously, when we're just talking and um, that little, like obviously we've got two recordings, so I'll send you the full audio recording. Um, I'll get my guys to make a few clips out of this, and then I'll get some clips of you. You You're speaking most of the time and I was asking you questions, so there'll probably be more clips for you to pull out of this. Um, I'm not sure... Um, how easy Riverside is, and what the quality is like, or if it's easy to add captions or whatever but um from what I've seen, it looks pretty good, so we should yeah we should be able to get a fair few out of it and um yeah, yeah I'll send you those clips that we get from this um over to you as well and um you can do whatever you like with the recording
1: perfect that sounds great
0: all right um yeah thanks for your time today mate and um yeah obviously keep in touch and keep posting the free value on uh twitter as well like how's your business going you're growing from twitter you're getting a few inquiries or um yeah a bit of a slow slow hey d2c slingshot listeners unfortunately this episode has come to an end. if you did make it this far i'm pretty sure you enjoyed it so how about hitting the thumbs up leaving a comment or even smashing subscribe any engagement or feedback truly helps us improve and grow. And remember, if you have any questions at all or insights you'd like to share, the best place to reach me is on Instagram at Locky Social Slingshot. Thank you for listening and I'll see you on the next one.